0: Hello everyone, how are you all doing? Um, it's great to be here with you all and it's just been amazing. I just want to recognize that that was such a prophetic moment because uh, all that just happened there just confirmed the word I felt the Lord wanted me to share before we pray. And we're gonna go to that in a moment, but I just wanna honor a few people. I wanna thank Tim for inviting me down, Nick, you know, Sam, the leadership here. Also, I wanna honor Ian Cole. He's been a spiritual father, a voice in this nation, pioneering, pushing for revival and prayer. And I think it's so significant he's based in this city. And I saw him earlier. so I didn't know you are going to be here. So I just came to chair you on and pray. So can we just thank God for uh, uh, Ian and Pauline and all that they have pioneered in this city. Really significant. You know, once again, thanks for having me. If you don't know anything about me, um, I'm not really going to go... I'm not really going to go... <laughs> I'm not really go, going to go into all the introductory things about my background and all that kind of stuff. But just so you know... I'm half Nigerian, I'm half Ghanaian. Wow. Wow. And you can't get away from Nigerians. How many realize they're everywhere? They're here right now. Any Nigerians in the house? <laughs> and some Ghanaians, maybe sometimes, I don't know if there's, are there any Ghanaians in the house? Yes, there is always one Ghanaian somewhere. <laughs> so my dad is from Nigeria, my mom is from Ghana, I was born in Liberia, my wife is from Stockport, I live in Manchester. <laughs> So that's all you need to know for now. And we're going to be going into the Word of God, sharing a few things I believe are really prophetic for uh, this region, also prophetic for this season we're in. I've ministered in Birmingham many times. By the way, I lead a ministry called Prayer Storm, and our heart is to be a catalyst for prayer. Uh, In summary, we do lots of things, but that's really, in essence, what God has called us to. And I've ministered in Birmingham over the years in different churches at different events. Uh, But this time, as I was driving in, Uh, and I was praying, I just really got a real awareness about the significance of this region uh, for God's move in the United Kingdom. Now, that's not to say other regions are not important, but I really felt uh, it's like God was just pointing my attention. I could feel the weightiness of a responsibility, spiritual responsibility that God is placing on this region, and this part is key for the nation. But not just that. As I was driving, I felt like even this church is a key church in almost the puzzle, the jigsaw puzzle, part of God's plan for this region, and that has an impact on the nation. Now, let me clarify that. I'm not saying other congregations are not significant in that, but I particularly feel God has placed something on this congregation that is quite significant for unlocking more of God's purpose for this region. And that comes with responsibility. Someone say responsibility. You know, the great famous saying, with much power comes great responsibility. You know, what's that saying? Yeah. Spider Man, was it? With much power comes what? Something like that. So you're kind of familiar with that saying. And, you know, one of the signs of maturity is that you start to take on responsibility. So I've got a nine year old. And he has started washing the dishes. He started taking bins out. So, you know, because we've got a seven-month-old baby and a two-, a three-year-old. So, you know, the fact that he's nine means now is going to start to have some responsibility. We're putting pressure, not, well, a, a healthy kind of demand on him <laughs> to take responsibility in a way that's gonna enable uh, myself and my wife to kind of be more effective in what we do, and So we don't expect him to just play video games while there's work to be done. We expect him to see things that need to be done and get it done. And so he's starting to understand that. Now, do you realize it's gonna be a problem if at nine he's still acting like he's three? Yeah. 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 So one of the signs that he's maturing is that he starts to understand responsibility. And I am starting to get concerned about the Western. In fact, I've always been concerned about the Western church because part of my calling and what God has called me to challenge. So get ready, because it might get intense. We've got about 30 minutes, it's gonna get intense. And I wanna announce this to you. I'm not mad at you, just so you know that. (laughs) I am truly a nice guy outside of the platform. In fact, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. Apart from when I'm up here. So people think, why are you so intense? Well, it's just the nature of the anointing and calling God's place in my life. that I have to be intense because we're dealing with an intense enemy. And so casual approach to prayer produces casualties. And when we take things so lightly, oh, yeah, God will move if He wants to, you know, it's up to Him, it's all about. We have, see, we use the theology of the sovereignty of God as a cover up for our spiritual impotence. So we know God is gonna do it. We don't realize he actually places responsibility or not. So I've been concerned that the Western church, especially in America and in the UK and even some parts of Africa that's influenced by the, the, the version of Christianity that has been exported from the West. The Western church has often become a nursery where babies have been fed and not a barracks where warriors have been bred. We are at war. And so responsibility spiritually is key. You have a responsibility. Now, it's easy for you to say amen and clap and nod your head. Let's just imagine tomorrow morning, uh, Tim, after this service. I know I'm speaking tomorrow morning in the service. Let's just imagine for a sec, Tim kind of felt the Lord. Um, Let me just pick someone at random. Meg, Meg, I'm not going to pick Meg. It's Meg, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What's your name in white? (laughs) Samantha. Okay. What was that? What did you say? Bethan. 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 Sorry, sorry, sorry. So different. I don't know how heard Samantha. I apologize. Now, Samantha, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Bethan, Bethan, Bethan. Okay. Maybe there's something prophetic in there. Look what, what Samantha means. Right. Bethan, imagine after this service, Tim came to you and said, tomorrow morning you're preaching. And imagine you only heard that after this service. I guarantee you, you're probably not going to go home and watch Netflix. You don't know. Well, I can guarantee you for majority of people, the moment you hear that the pastor, the leader, wants you to preach the next day, and it's something you didn't have at the forefront of your mind, you start to think, oh, Lord, what do you want to say? Oh, Lord, I I don't know. You're probably going to go home and pray. Probably go, go home and go through the Bible. Lord, what, what do you want me to share to what, Lord, what is on your heart for the church? See, what happened is, if you receive that invitation and you realize that God is speaking and God wants you to minister tomorrow morning, the moment Him gives you that invitation and you receive it, what hits you is spiritual responsibility. That responsibility now starts to affect your actions and starts to determine how you spend your time. Because now you realize God wants to move and somehow he's decided to speak through me or he wants to speak through me. I don't even know what he has to say. Lord, what are you saying? Father, use me. So in that moment, you're hit with spiritual responsibility and that leads you to want to pray, to want to read the word, to receive something so that on Sunday morning, whenever the Lord, whenever (laughs) Tim, maybe Tim is the Lord, Lord Tim, whenever the Lord has, whenever Tim has invited you to speak, you want to make sure that Sunday morning you have something to release, and so that sense of responsibility is what I'm talking about. Now I want you to realize that, without, uh, even if Tim didn't ask you to speak or no one asked you to minister anyway, anyway, you or from heaven's perspective, we all have that spiritual responsibility. But the problem is many of us wait for a platform or an opportunity before we start to take that responsibility seriously to the point where it affects our lifestyle. Because you don't need a microphone to preach before you pray and ask God what he is saying. You don't need an opportunity on a platform. And a lot of us in the West and a lot of the people I even relate with, and I can see this even infecting a lot of, sometimes it's, it's such a, it's easy to fall into this trap to think if God moves on the platform with you, that means you're doing well with God and you walk with Him. You realize the platform can be, can, I think Lennon Raymond said this the platform can be a display for our talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off. So no man is greater than the prayer life. Doesn't matter how big the church is, doesn't matter how big the ministry is, before God and in heaven, you're as influential as the size of your heart. And the depth of your walk with Him behind closed doors. So that means you can have a growing ministry to the masses and a shrinking heart towards God. And no one knows it because everything on the outside looks good. When spiritual responsibility hits you, you start to value what's happening behind the scenes more than what's happening on the platform. So earlier on when, um, uh, you know, what happened, the the older generation was brought up, as I was praying, coming here, the word that the Lord was stirring in my heart for this session is the prayer for the young adults, the prayer for the children. And we're going to do that in a few moments. However, the scriptural basis for that is Joel 2.28. And we're going to be looking at that in a moment. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Joel 2.28. This is also quoted in the book of Acts. Joel 2.28 it's a famous promise and uh, prophetic word that has been released that we now need to begin a partner with. It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards. Everyone say afterwards. afterwards. Great. It shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everyone say all flesh. All flesh. So can I remind you, in case it's not clear, that all flesh means All flesh. All flesh does not mean white flesh. It does not mean black flesh. It does not mean Christian flesh. It does not mean Muslim flesh. It means what? Yes. So that's actually, that means that when God says, He pours His Spirit all flesh, He is seeing the pouring of His presence upon nations, cultures, ethnic groups, whether they have religious backgrounds or not, whether they believe in Him or not, He's going to pour out His Spirit in a way that's going to be significant. And there's going to be evidence of that. And it looks like this. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy speak the word of God carry the de- carry the heart of God and declare it your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions verse 29 also on my maidservants on my men servants and maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days now what I love about the moment we just had there was it captures the spirit of this prophecy. Because in this prophetic word, you see different generations. You see the sons and the daughters. You see the old men dreaming dreams. You see, (laughs) thanks Ian, Ian said hallelujah. (laughs) You see the young men having visions. So I believe this is a picture of a cross-generational expression of the move of God. What I believe this verse is giving us a picture of is in the move of God in the end times, it's going to have this DNA of a cross-generational kind of approach. It's not going to be just one generation. You know, some people say, like, oh, yeah, all the people, you know, you've done your bit, you're passing on the baton. I don't really think that's the best imagery. I don't think they're passing on the baton. I feel like we are running together. Does that make any sense? So they have a significant part to play, and the young generation has a significant part to play. Now, believe it or not, I'm going to be 40 this year. I know I look 15, but I'm going to be 40 this year. (laughs) And I've got a nine-year-old. I moved to the UK as a missionary in, in 2001. So I've lived more of my life in the UK than elsewhere. And I've come to take this nation as my nation because God called me here for a move of his spirit. When I came, I was 17. Now I 40, so I've shifted in generations. And I'm now looking at my nine-year-old and looking at the teenagers. And I'm realizing the world they're growing up in is completely different to the world I grew up in. So I'm saying to my son, you can't just be playing video games and watching movies all the time because we are at war and we don't train warriors by just entertaining them all the time. You train warriors with discipline. You train warriors by getting them aware of their responsibility. So when I read this verse, I look at my parents, I look at people like Ian and those who have gone ahead of us who have been faithful. I want to keep honoring and learning from them as I'm running my race. At the same time, I'm equipping the next generation to make sure that we don't lose what has been, the faith that's been passed down to us, the quality of it, the intensity of it, that it's never watered down. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's multi-generational. The promise God gave to Abraham, Abraham did not see the fullness of its fulfillment in his day. So, Abraham received the promise, the Lord said, I'll make you, you know, father to many nations, and your descendants shall be as the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky. He received this incredible promise, and any of us who received a sort of promise would be like, wow, God, this is incredible. You see, and because we tend to be, we tend to uh, naturally, you know, lean towards the kind of just selfish kind of thing of, oh, yeah, I think God is going to do that through me. Abraham might have just been, I don't know where Abraham's mind was, but to receive such a promise like, wow, that's a huge promise that my descendants would be as the sand on the seashore. But by the time he died, I guarantee you, he did not see that promise fulfilled in its fullness. So he gave birth to the seed that was going to carry on with the promise. But he had to steward that promise well. And disciple the next generation to carry it, and the next generation to carry it. And then we see from one generation to the next, what God has spoken is almost building and building and building in intensity. But do you realize if you don't steward God's word to you well, it would affect the next generation. The compromise of one, let me say this way, the captivity or the, yes, the compromise of one generation often becomes the captivity of the next generation. So I can't just think, oh, you know what, Um, you know, yeah, I know God's promised revival. I'm just going to live in secret sin over here. I'm just going to live in compromise. I'm not really going to take prayer that seriously. I'm only going to read the Bible or only going to spend time with God when I have a ministry opportunity. Even though we don't always articulate that way, if that's the fruit of our life, that's gonna impact the next generation. See, you you can't just preach a message. You have to first live the message. And then when you live the message, when you preach it, God uses your sound to bring an awakening to people's hearts. But in a 21st century church, we've often valued people that can speak and teach. So we have great giftings on the platform, but the depth of their walk with God behind closed doors is often shallow. The fact that you can articulate theological truths and the fact that you can teach does not necessarily mean you know God. Because in the 21st century church, we have come to worship as the idol of giftings. So we love people that can communicate. Can I say to you, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, that message Peter preached, it was powerful, not because of Peter's ability to speak. It wasn't his oratory ability that made the message powerful. In fact, in Britain today and in America, we've probably got more preachers that would out-preach Peter any day in terms of their ability to speak. But when Peter preached, why that message was able to cause an awakening was because there was a lifestyle behind the message before the voice was able to articulate the message. So when God gave him the voice, the message was impregnated with fire. You cannot fake fire. You either have it or you don't. You know what? And you can you don't have to advertise fire either. If you're on fire, I don't care whether you're an introvert, when you're on fire, if I were to physically set you on fire, it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert, whether you don't like shouting, you're gonna shout, you're gonna, everyone is gonna know something is happening to you because fire has reactions; it causes reaction. How can you tell me you're on fire and yet yeah, you're calm, cool, collected, no one around you knows you're a believer, you just come to church and do the conference thing and no one even knows that you're living for God, that's impossible, fire speaks for itself. And many of us are in love with the theological idea of fire, but we haven't encountered fire. Because when you encounter fire, it impacts your life, it purges you, it brings purity, but it also impacts the people around you. And God is wanting us to move away from theological ideas and think that we know God because we intellectually have memorized the scripture. He wants us to transition from that to the experience of his presence. And when we start to walk in that, we're paving the way for the next generation to take it to the next level. But if Ian's generation have walked with God, and they've been pressing in, and our generation are in love with platforms, but have no depth behind the close, behind closed doors, what, what foundation are we laying for the next generation? Because it's not, again, it's not what you say, it's how you live that gives what you say authority to shift things in people. And so God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's wanting us to engage with the reality of seeking Him when the platform is in there. This says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, that pouring is a public display. It's a public manifestation of God's presence. We will not have... The public are pouring without the private overflow many of us want god to show up publicly for us but we don't show up privately for him and oftentimes we want him to show up publicly for us because it makes us look good the anointing makes you look good in fact having done ministry for since 2009 doing one day right now i realized you can get addicted to the anointing In a way that can be almost negative because when you're functioning in that grace and anointing, it attracts things to you and it makes you look good. The anointing makes people look attractive. And so people can, you can fall in love with how you look on the platform and all the things that the anointing of God is bringing while you yourself lack a depth with God. So you can start crying out to God to show up publicly for you but you're not showing up privately for him, and you are more carried by your gifting than intimacy with God. Listen, the anointing of God on your life is no sign of his approval of your behavior. You can be anointed and stupid at the same time. <laughs> Just look at church history. Look at the church right now. There are many anointed worship leaders, anointed preachers living in immorality. See, and they could preach accurately theological kind of, they can give you a nice sermon that you can't theologically fault. But if you sit under that sort of ministry where there is no real depth behind the platform, after a while, you will start to be the fruit of that lack of depth. Because Jesus has the words that speak to you that spirit their life. So words are not just empty, they carry something. Something spiritual. As I'm I'm speaking right now, Something is going on beyond what I'm saying. Based on what's been going on behind the closed doors in my life. So even if what I'm saying is accurate theologically, you can be theologically right. Yes, you can be theologically right while being spiritually wrong. So you can sound right and sing right, but from a heart connection with God, spiritually speaking, you're in the wrong place. And this is the scary thing. Everyone else could applaud you. Everyone else can say, oh, you're doing well, your ministry is growing, people have been in, you know, you can, you can, you can uh, be drunk on the applause of man. While you in heaven, God is looking at you saddened because he knows you're not fulfilling all he's called you to. You're so eager to appear on the platform. But when it's time with you and God, you're so, there's so much resistance. Can I announce to you, your greatest platform is not this stage. Your greatest platform is your secret place so it doesn't matter whether I'm preaching to a crowd of 10 or 10,000 all of that even a crowd of 50,000 all of that is a step down from one-on-one conversation with the King of Kings so what is more important for me is that I am showing up to seek his face whether there's a preaching engagement or not I don't pray because I'm about to preach I preach because I have a life of prayer So, I am not doing this. So, if I never had another speaking opportunity again, I am still, in fact, I'll be thankful to have more time to invest in prayer. Because my reward is not applause of man. My reward reward is intimacy with God and being a voice in the heavens, not a celebrity on the earth. I want, See, when I preach, I can move men and women, but when I pray, I can move angels and demons. So I'd rather be shifting things in the spirit realm than being a celebrity on the earth, drunk on the applause of man, while not making any impact in the spirit realm. I want to leave a spiritual inheritance for my children. They have got to walk with God. If my children are going to walk with God, then I better be the real deal right now. Because I'm going to be impacting them with the quality of my life. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't want all the seeds and sacrifice that Ian's generation has sown for prayer, for revival, to be lost on my generation. Because we are more in love with you know, views on YouTube and Instagram following and all this superficial stuff while we don't have real depth with God. Look at many of our prayer meetings. Many people can't pray for longer than 5-10 minutes. And the, the intensity dies. And a lot of the older generation are able to know, are able to wait, are able to tarry, are able to push in the place of prayer. If that doesn't point to our spiritual lack of stamina, I'm not sure what else will. Because in the prayer meeting, you really know how, where you, you know when you go to the shopping mall and it says you're here, you see that map, you're here? Prayer helps you realize where you really are. On your work. Some of you, you, you're like, I'm struggling with prayer. It's not wrong to struggle. It's just wrong to remain there and not ask God to do work in you, stir up your heart, push through the boredom, push through whatever it is you need to push through to the place where you step into the river. And I'm telling you from experience, if you learn to push through that, you get to a place that becomes a river of life from within you. But many Christians give up too easy. And so we don't build on the promises that God has given the previous generation, and by so doing we're not living we're not leaving a spiritual inheritance for our children the other day i was praying at home because i i got home really late from somewhere i was ministering at so it was a saturday morning i got up late because i went to bed late and i was having some prayer time downstairs okay we're gonna pray soon i was, I was having some prayer time downstairs and my son came down it's a saturday and so he's like um that i want to play my video games and you see the thing is um I often get concerned by how much time he spends on screens, like many parents, you know. And so, I said, "Well, you know what? Let's let's strike a deal." Just his name is Justice. Let's he was eight years old at the time. Let's strike a deal, Justice. Um, Daddy's praying right now. Why don't you come and join Daddy with prayer? And well, let's pray for the next forty-five minutes to an hour. And by the way, just to he is the most energetic. I, mean, I mean, like he's got so much energy, Life, he, he does not sit still. In fact, it's constantly being told of by myself. Uh, no, I mean I, my wife and I are constantly telling him off oh, for how much he fidgets. He doesn't stand, like you talk to him, he's always looking elsewhere. Like I'm just giving you an idea of his personality type that he doesn't know calm. Energy running up and down, you know, just crazy. Now, I said injustice. Uh, and I don't hardly tend to play his video games with him. So I said, this, let's strike a deal. If you will come and pray with me for the next 45 minutes to an hour, I'll play your video games with you later. He's like, okay, great, deal. Now, we started to pray. I'm praying a lot in tongues, and then every now and again, I'll pray my understanding. Father, we pray over this, and I'll make declarations and scriptures. He started praying with me in the same manner. And after about 30 minutes or so, I realized that he's, he was praying like I was praying. So, he, would, he was praying in tongues, and then after a while, he would find scriptures, the little scriptures he knew, and he would like, you know, make the Lord, Lord destroy the devil forever, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, seriously, he was, he was praying everything he knew to pray, that, and he found scriptures that were connecting to the prayer point. So, he was doing exactly what I do, and after a while of doing this, well, this was about 45 minutes, I realized... How I disciple my children in prayer is not by just telling them, it's by doing it with them and showing them how to do it. So I'm realizing this is discipleship. It starts at home. So if your Christianity is not working at home, why do you want to export it to the world? How are we going to change the world out there when we are not even discipling our own children and the world is discipling them for us? indoctrinating them with all kinds of filth. And then we wonder why when they become 17, 18, they turn away from God? No, I am going to indoctrinate my son, I know that was a strong word, with righteousness, with truth, with the reality of God. I'm going to teach him to pray, and I'm going to make him, because listen, the Bible says about Abraham, that he commanded his household. So as a parent, I have authority. Now, don't get me wrong, the only thing, the things that God can only do in the heart of my child, and I'm not going to... Uh, uh, kind of, uh, I try to impose on him, but I'm going to show him the right way. And you know what the Bible says? Train. Train up. So there is a process of training children how to view the world. So it's not weird for him to walk into a room and we're praying in tongues for an hour. And we're praying, in fact, he joins us sometimes. Because I'm going to make sure whatever inheritance, whatever God's doing with me, that I've been picking up from the previous generation, my children have to receive more of that on a new level. So by God's grace, I'm gonna pay for it. Now, let me just qualify everything I've said with this. There are parents in the room, and oftentimes when you hear stories like this, you feel guilty. Get rid of that right now. <laughs> because my son is not perfect either. My family is not perfect. There are lots of challenges we have. So the reason why I'm, sharing that is, why I'm sharing that is, I want you to think about the next generation and think about starting where you are now. If you don't pray with your children, Say, Lord, how can we start to pray with our family? If you don't pray with your spouse, Lord, how can we start to pray? How can we start to create a hot house in this home where you are able to move and our children are are, are raised up in the ways of the Lord and they're able to carry a new kind of dimension of the things that you've given us? Now, I'm in this country because the Lord called me here, and I believe he's not finished with the United Kingdom. So if I don't see the move of God before I die, I'm convinced my children will see it because I'm sowing those seeds. You know, I said Abraham received the promise, but he didn't see the fullness of it. I have received the promise too. And it's not just isolated to me. I've been hearing the previous generation talk about what God has promised the land. And it has got so much into me. It is now my personal promise. And I'm going to, by God's grace, teach the next generation so that they begin to remember what God has said. So even if I don't see it, I'm going to go to my grave believing for the manifestation of it and living everything, living my whole life in faith, not unbelief. Just as a side note, there's a real strong spirit of unbelief in this culture that seeks to just snuff out any bit of faith you have. So there's a real sense of wanting to journey in God. That our faith doesn't die because of discouragements, you know, statistics, and whatever it is around us. God is not finished with the United Kingdom. Now, I want to wrap up, and then we're going to pray. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. The language of the outpouring of God's spirit in the last days is going to be prophecy, dreams visions, there's going to be an increase of that and that's already happening to a certain degree but there's going to be more of it. So we're going to pray that God would pour out a spirit on all of us afresh, on our children, on our parents' generation, on our, you know, nine-year-olds and teenagers, that there would be a real sense of an increase of the prophetic move of God. See, when our children start to encounter God for themselves, their faith starts to go deep. Even right now, I still pray for my son and my children. Lord, release fresh encounter. Let, let, let them encounter you in a deep way. Let their hearts be rooted in you, not because of what I'm saying, but because you've encountered them. And they know who you are. And they begin to pursue you. Father, begin to recalibrate their desires for righteousness, for righteousness. Fill them with that desire to run after you, to seek your face. We'll begin to pray for the next generation. And also, I think it's important what we did earlier, having the, uh, the older generation come up. And even as we pray at some point, we're going to do that again. Because I think there's something of them even releasing a blessing over us that's important. That the Lord would, you know, the heritage, the history they have with God, the promises God has given them, that we will begin to run with it. With a whole new level of radical devotion to Him. And we're gonna start in this place of seeking Him in the private place, to the point where we are walking in the overflow of His presence when there is no platform. So that when He gives us platforms, our private overflow becomes a public outpouring. And people's lives are changed, not because of how great we speak or sing, but because there's something deep going on behind closed doors. Do you understand with me, if we could get the band up, oh, that would be amazing. I don't know what you should play. I don't know. Something that goes with the message, you know, and some, something anointed, <laughs> spirit breaker. I don't know. Something that just goes with the vibe of what we've just been speaking. Um, and we're going to pray. I think a starting point is saying, Lord, we don't want to just be, um, we don't want to be people that can talk the talk well. We don't want to just be people that can sing the songs well. Father, we want this to go so deep in us that we begin to embody the prophetic word about the outpouring of your spirit. That we begin to carry the promises of the previous generation to a whole new level. We begin to remember the words you've spoken. And that we will not conform to the systems of the world around us, regardless of how intimidating it becomes. Because the culture is going to get more Negative towards people like us and our faith, but Lord, we don't want to back down under the pressure. We want to live this out in authenticity, in humility, be faithful witnesses for you, God. Not just when we have a microphone, but when no one is looking. Let this go deep in us, Lord. You understand with me? And so the starting point of this prayer is Lord, do a deep work in me. <laughs> i want to remind you god is not finished with the united kingdom he definitely is not finished with birmingham and there is a real sense of spiritual responsibility he's calling you to i know many of us in this room already pray in some way this is not to condemn you this is to call you to a deeper place saying lord I want to, go to, I want to go away from meetings like these and, and, and seek you in a deeper way like I've never done before. I want to learn when to turn off the TV and, and Disney Plus and Netflix and YouTube and, and all the things that are distractions. I want to learn how to create more space to go deeper beyond just five-minute prayers. Lord, I want to learn how to linger, how to wait, how to press into your presence even when I'm feeling bored in my flesh, I want to learn how to slay the f- the flesh by saying yes to you and not giving in to the desires of the flesh. I want you above all else. I want you above everything else, Lord. So let that work start in me. Lead me into the place of deep devotion. Come on, pray over yourself right now. The starting point of our intercession is that God does a deep work in us. A deep work in us. Lead us to a place of deep devotion. That place of deep intimacy with you. Where we begin to feel your burdens and we begin to feel your heart, Lord. Move us away from the superficial and take us to the deep. For deep calls unto deep. We want to be faithful to the calling. We want to be faithful to the promise upon the region. Your prophetic words over Birmingham. Your prophetic words over the United Kingdom. We want to be faithful to it. We want to live a life worthy of the calling we have received, Lord. A life worthy of every prophetic declaration you've spoken over the nation. So here we are, Father. Train us in righteousness. Train us in devotion. Train us in intercession. Train us in the secret place. Break us out. Out of the mode of complacency, break us out of the mode of religiosity, break us out of the mode of all forms of uh, conformity to the world and its systems. We want to arise as warriors, mark us with a spirit of consecration, a spirit of devotion that we would be moved out of stagnation into the next
1: dimension. Father, mark us right now as we say yes to you, Father. We break off all the lies of darkness, the lies of the culture, deceptions of this age the loss of the eyes the loss of the flesh and the pride of life we confess it right now we say no more is the world gonna have a hold of us we don't want to be people that can speak well and sing well but lack depth take us to the deep place jesus Take us to the deep place. Take us to the deep place. Oh, deliver us from shallow Christianity. Deliver us from complacent Christianity. Take us to the deep place, Holy Ghost. Vanai, 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 hey. Mark us with the spirit of revival. Mark us with the spirit of travail. Break the cloud that has rested upon us, causing our vision to be blurred. Let it begin to lift right now as your presence invades our world. From one generation to the next, From one generation to the next. Let the works of the Lord multiply and impact. That for the glory of the Lord will cover Birmingham. The glory of the Lord will cover the United Kingdom. As waters cover the sea. Start with me, Holy Ghost. Awaken the fire within us. Awaken the fire within us. Hey. Oh spiritual responsibility. But we we're not beginning to feel the weight of it, Lord. Malay Mahesa Uno Manda Hatay Abila Janda Basta Dava Oya Kamala Basta Tale La Aye 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 Venanae 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 venana 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 Zina Namaanda Yakasatale Dava. May with the spirit of travail, the spirit of revival, rest upon us from distractions. Deliver us from mediocrity. Oh. Come on, call out to heaven. Call out to the Lord. Call out to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to be different this year. Take me somewhere I've never been before. But I, but I, but I, but I, Samana Banda, Beka Taiba, Rabba, Be Nana, Nana, Rebe Baba, Ya Banda, Zanda, Banda, Made, 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 Vaday, Vade, Made, Made,
0: To do something here you know all the over 60s that came up on the platform what i love us to do is to have i I, I don't know if ian and pauline can come up on the platform and all the other over 60s i'd like you to spread out amongst everyone here so we can have almost every one that represents the younger generation i want you to connect to another person of those that are over 60 in such a way that there are prayer groups being formed all across this auditorium. And we're going to have those over 60 begin to pray over the younger ones, the ones that are under 60, okay? And also the younger ones begin to pray over the older generations. Does that make sense? I don't know how we're going to do it practically, but can the over 60s kind of just spread out amongst the... Co- In fact, maybe, maybe you can put your hand up and we just make sure that everyone that's under 60 is around someone that's over 60 and that they begin to pray over you. Does that make sense? Okay, can we go and we do that? And Ian, I don't if you and Pauline can come up, that will be awesome because I would love us to pray over this as it's happening right now. And what we're going to be praying is is an alignment with Joel 2.28. Old men dream dreams and young men see visions and young women see visions as well. We're going to be praying that the work that the Lord has been doing in one generation would move to the next, and it would move into that generation with an expansion, with an increase in depth. We're praying that there will be almost like an increase of that sense of connectedness to the history that the older generation have in God. That that would not be lost in any way in the midst of social media and such a generation that wants things so quick that we will begin to grow in our depth, and we will carry that which God has done in the previous generation, we would faithfully steward those promises and pass it on even to our children. So let's split split up as the music goes on. Okay, so those of us 60, I want you to pray over those in the group. And those of you who are on the 60, I want you to pray over those of us 60 as well. All right, so let's go. So we're going to be forming groups all around this place. Everyone, please try to find a group. Yes, if you're over 60 as well, just put your hand up so people can see where you are in case they're trying to find, if you're over 60, just put your hand up so people can see where you are, if you've not, okay. Yeah. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray a fresh a fresh fire of God, a fresh move of God over the next year. Bless them like you, they're your children.
1: Hi, Asana.
0: Lord. From one generation to the next, Father, let your name be praised. Depth, we pray, fire, fire, Lord. All of
2: Right now. Ready to go. Okay. okay, I just want to um, pray. Wrap wrap this up. Stay where you are. Um, I was just praying with um, with uh, Nick, and uh, and um, th- this phrase came into my mind, and I thought, oh, I can't pray that, but I did, and I'm going to pray it over you, and it's this, Father. I want to pray that this church will be full of flaming Christians. Is that okay? So turn to the person next to you and say, Lord, I want my brother my sister to become a flaming Christian. Is that all right? Is that all right,
1: Pastor?
2: Yeah, too late now. Come on, pray it. In the name of Jesus, fresh fire, flaming Christians. On fire for God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so from the older generation, from us oldies, we just want to say today, we want our ceiling to be your floor got it yeah. we want our ceiling where we've got to to be your starting point point. and so as uh, is, we release over you today the fresh fire of God yeah. receive it in the name of Jesus and if you want to receive it now put your hands up and we'll say Lord now release fresh fire yeah. come on receive it you tell God Lord I receive it today fresh fire across the generations In the name of Jesus. And I want to pray, Lord, today and prophesy that out of the doors of this church, this fire will flow. In the name of Jesus. This fire will flow across this city, into the schools, into the hospitals, into the factories, into the mosques, into the temples. Spirit of God. Come on, church, pray it. River of God to flow out of this church. This river of fire to flow out of this church. River of fire to flow out of this church. Into Muslim homes and Hindu homes and Buddhist homes. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord.
0: So we're going to do one thing and then we're going to wrap up. You know, when I was uh, speaking, I made emphasis on the fact that the Lord will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And that is ethnic groups, cultures, and all that. And we want to pray one prayer, especially with people that have got a Muslim kind of background right now, and I know there's a lot going on even in Birmingham here. So what I want to do quickly is, I believe there's some people in the audience that have that Muslim background, Farsi speaking and that. Is there anyone like that here? Is that right? No? No? Did I get that wrong? Okay. Well, I want us to pray, because I know Birmingham is a real significant area, even in terms of the Muslim community. And to wrap up, I want us to pray... For an outpouring of God's spirit, especially in the Muslim community in this region and beyond. Are you with me? So lift your hands on me right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise. And we are engaging that prophetic word that your spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Right here in Birmingham, Lord, we cry out for the Muslim communities in this region. We're asking, Father, that there will be an explosion and the pouring of your spirit, Father, encounters that they will begin to have unexplainable encounters that you begin to appear to live in unique ways, in dreams, in visions, that their hearts will begin to encounter you, Father, that they will begin to develop a hunger and appetite to find out more about you. So, Lord, we pray a holy visitation over Muslims all over Birmingham, a holy visitation all over Muslims, Specifically, all over the United Kingdom, Father, let there be fresh encounters, Lord. Even now, Lord, begin to visit them in the mosque. Father, we pray that even imams will become evangelists, Father. That those that have set their hearts in a certain direction, like Saul, they would encounter you on the road to Damascus and become Paul's. Father, that you will begin to invade their plans with your great light and that they would come off their horses in human humility and encounter the great light that is you father so we say invade these communities with your presence in a fresh way lord pour out your spirit on all flesh just say that with me lord pour out your spirit on all flesh
1: one more time lord pour out your spirit on all flesh in jesus name amen amen and guys